Hi, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Cop Pass podcast. Uh, coming at you on the Wednesday evening after Liverpool's 3 2 win in the Wanda. And on the pod with me tonight, I have Jay in Liverpool and I have Andy in Liverpool. And I'll come to Andy. No, I'm going to come to Jay first, actually. Jay, we. We were really good for 20 minutes in that first half. Like, I mean, really, really, really good in, for, for 20 minutes to the point that they never touched the fucking ball. And uh, we scored two goals, two fantastic goals. Salah, untouchable as usual. Nabi Keita with a worldie. Um, and, you know, like it was men against boys. It was like Watford. They looked, Atletico looked like Watford. Um, and then suddenly it all just seemed to change. And, you know, I think an analogy of it could be that, you know, for the first 20 minutes, we looked like the Liverpool team that had won the European Cup and had won the league at a counter. And the rest of the half, we looked like COVID Liverpool. <laughs> that a fair assumption? Uh, yeah, in, in, in the short term, yeah. Um, we started well. I don't think we've started a game other than City, really quite slowly all season. I think it, it's quite probably been a feature of our play this year where we, we go out hard for 20 minutes of the first and second half and, you know, we, we do our business and then, you know, we, we see where we are. Um, like take, take Milan, for example, at home in the Champions League. We, we went out solid probably for 30 minutes and then lost our heads for 15, 10 minutes and found ourselves going in at half-time and, this was probably the same even in Porto. We 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 demolished Porto, but there was a fifteen minute, fifty ten fifteen minute period where you know that they they had a bit of the ball and without actually truly threatening, you know, they we did step off the pace. So maybe it's just a, a feature of our play where we we go out hard in both halves and try and do the business. And more often than not, if you're putting together forty fifty minutes across two halves of good, relentless attacking football where, you know, you've got the best player in the world, you've got forward lads in Mane and Firmino who are, you know, you you could say the pretty confidence in, in the way they're playing, um, the scoring goals. You, you've got enough there to, to probably put most games away um, and that 2-0, you probably feared for Atleti thinking this could be another Watford where we could just rack up three or four or five but, it's Atletico Madrid. It's the Metropolitano. It's four years without a European defeat at home. It's one defeat in 40 domestically. You know, they, they were bound to get back in and they've got world-class footballers. So they are going to get chances. They are going to create things. But for them, 20 minutes, like just looking at like, pre, pre-forward to the weekend, if we put that against like United, who we've seen tonight, who were dreadful defensively, like we could blow them away, but we'll get to that later on. But for the, for those twenty minutes first half, we we arguably could have been three or four up, um, but we we take two. Um, you know, Salah again, we we can't really say enough about him. That hasn't already been said. Even if it was a slight deflected goal, it was still a shot on target. He, he was causing uh, their defence all sorts of problems because they were playing a three slash five. Um, but it's been a, it's been a feature of our, it's a feature of our play of recent times. The amount of shots going in, we're not afraid. You know, last season we we seemed very shy in front of goal taking shots. This season it's it's the polar opposite. Arguably, yeah, because of 
you know, the, the lads who got at the back, so there's the, that security blanket there. I mean, it's easy to say, but it probably is a true reflection that if you've got Van Dijk and Matip at the back and Fabinho in his rightful place, all right, he wasn't there first half, but he has been for the majority of the season. Uh, in comparison to maybe Fabinho in the back line with a, a novice centre-half or, you know, Fabinho in the middle, sitting in front of Reese Williams and Nat Phillips, with all due respect to the lads, the chalk and cheese. Um, and if you know that you've got lads at the back who can keep the door shut and a goalkeeper who's arguably <laughs> the best in the world at the moment is, is one-on-one players unreal, um, then you can afford to go a bit more health level up top. So, it's it sounds really simple, but it probably really is. If you've got the lads at the back to do the job properly, you can take more risks up front. I think it just is as simple as that. No, and I'm like, Andy, I'll come to you. Um, you know, I saw in some of the punditry that that they were saying about you know that our defensive line is so high and so on, but they were saying you know like we were basically our our Van Dijk and Matip were were basically standing well inside the Atletico half and got exposed a couple of times. I think it was and Griezmann got away one time as one of one of Alisson's many good, good stops. Um and you know it, it, it's it's how we play and what what or what Jay said there about you know we, we have the solidity back again. But do you think maybe we're pushing too far ahead? And then you you know I know you have a th- Naby Keita has taken a, a lot of pelters um, over both goals and, the, and and there were two errors there which is a pr- most definitely the first one I, w- I would pin the majority but you know when I say I pin the majority of blame on him I, I don't think my head falls off over it you know what I mean he, he scored a, a wonderful goal he's been pretty damn good going forward um, you know it's not his his natural position to defend um, you know he's going to get Burned here and there, and you know, as Jay said, we're we're talking about there's a few world, more than a few world class players on on that Atletico side. But you had just some thoughts on it. And what, what what do you think? Yeah, it's an interesting one on Navi because I was watching the game, and um, obviously when the goal goes in, you sort of have a look on Twitter, see the reaction, and I hadn't really noticed that Data was at fault for either goal. So uh, I made a, a point to myself at halftime. I sort of said to myself, I'm going to you know, really look at it here and see if there's something where I've been focused on a different part of play or maybe I wasn't quite concentrating on the game. Um, and the way people were going on on Twitter and on my mates on WhatsApp and stuff was as if it was a, a genuine howler for both of them, which I thought, well, I must have you know, really missed something here. <laughs> you know, long day at work. I don't know if I was just a bit tired and wasn't really concentrating, but I looked at it back at halftime and yes, for both goals, he, he probably has beaten a little bit too easily and Yes, for both goals, he should be a little bit more smart in his positioning and should be a little bit more streetwise, maybe, um, in terms of how close he's getting to somebody. But ultimately, there's still a hell of a lot to be done. There's still a hell of a lot that Liverpool can do to prevent both goals after um, Naby Keita has been taken out of the game. And it, it feels to me as though, as Jay sort of says, and I think it's a great point, the, the fact that Atletico Madrid just have so many world-class players, you know, you can't be in a situation where if somebody's beaten on the touchline 45 yards from goal, that that that, that means that's an automatic uh, it's not, that's an automatic goal. There's nothing we can do about it since then. That's a major issue. If that's the case, you have to have cover for them. You have to be structurally sound in defence, whereby you know if somebody's beaten in midfield, there are two or three other uh, barriers before they can get a clear cut chance. And that was a worry for me, really, in terms of how we were 
how we were playing in that first half. I actually think we managed the game quite well at 2-0. I said this is something at work today. Um, and he disagreed with me. And I understand why. Because when you're, you go 2-0 up and it goes back 2-2 before half time, And you concede all these chances. And you say it's good game management. It doesn't really add up. It doesn't really feel like that. But I was talking myself through the game. And I was, I was sort of saying right, right now we need to hold possession for a minute or two. You know, we did that. We were able to beg, to go forward and pick our moments to go forward um, quite well in the first half. But it just seemed as though every time Atletico Madrid got the ball, they were so incisive, they were so quick, and they were getting a chance almost every time, which just seems mental. And uh, To me, I was thinking about it, and I was thinking about us in possession. And I was just thinking, well, you know, we had something like 72% possession in the first half. They are going to touch the ball at some point. They are going to have a period of possession at some point. And if they are just, just you know, hammering in this choreographed incisive passing that's creating chance after chance, then there's not an awful lot you can do about that. Um, but I have been quite surprised with some of the reaction to it. Obviously not um, on this podcast or between the three of us, because I think we're all very encouraged by what happened last night. But people are lo- really losing their heads over the fact that we went through periods of that games where we had to suffer, um, which I find strange. We've gone away to the Spanish champions uh, scored three goals. It, it, that's a team that, that barely concedes. They're known for their staunch defence, never mind conceding three goals. Uh, and I'm not sure if Jay mentioned it in the pre-pod or on the pod, but they've lost one home game in four years in Europe. So it's an incredible result. It's an incredible Liverpool performance. It's one of the best away European performances you'll see from a Liverpool team. And uh, well, if not performances, certainly away European results. And uh, not really sure why people are losing their head too much over it. Obviously, you've got the Naby Keita factions on both sides and people are passionate about him and he divides opinion more than, than a lot of Liverpool players do over the years. But, but, Andy, um, do, Andy, do you think it's uh, the, the people's heads falling off? It could, be, could well be a product of just how bloody good we were in those 20 minutes. Just how good we were. And, and when you set up, when you go out like that, and, and look, every time Atletico even had the ball, the, the, we had what three players right now. It was, we were like fucking rabid dogs after them, and it was it was immense for twenty minutes. But you can't keep that up for ninety. Um, and, and maybe it's you know it's Twitter number one on social media. Um, you know they people don't tend to sort of think deeply in these things. Like, oh, we were great for twenty minutes, and then we were shit. You know what I mean? But you know, do you think that's a factor? Yeah, I think you see throughout throughout games there's never been a team that's been able to keep up a complete press for 90 minutes or complete high intensity or complete hell for another 100 mile an hour for all 90 minutes you have to pick your moments in games Liverpool picked the first 20 minutes to go hell for leather and take Atletico by surprise and they did so brilliantly we were 2-0 up I mean their goals change games in football it's the oldest cliche but it is very true it changes the psychology it changes how people are playing and it gave Atletico a lift and ultimately it comes from a set piece Keita can do better. Um, we can probably do a little bit better in terms of blocking the the shot when it comes in. And then there's a massive question mark over the offside. And I don't really know the rules anymore because in the Premier League, it seems like that's an offside every day of the week. But in the Champions League, we're not really sure what they're looking at. It clearly wasn't in Alisson's eye line, so it mustn't have been that. There must be some other niche rule that, that they were having a look at, which I'm not really sure what it was. But the, the fact is, there are many things that... that, that that went right for Atletico in that goal where they were able to get into it. And then from then on, you know, they're the ones chasing it. They're the ones that have got the momentum for the rest of the half and all of the second half to get another goal. It just changes the way you think about it. 
I don't think Liverpool are great after 20 minutes, but to be that good in 20 minutes and to go 2-0 up against one of the best teams in the world is such an achievement in itself that I think it almost does make up for the rest of the performance. And at the end of the day, yes, we are conservative and yes, we did look a little bit tired and our legs did fall off in the second half. But we do create a couple of chances. We do ultimately get the goal. And to be fair, they didn't create an awful lot towards the end, albeit they had 10 men. They didn't create a hell of a lot, really. The penalty's not a penalty. And um, and we do okay. And we get a brilliant, brilliant result in Europe. Um, I don't know if you'll find another English team getting this good in the way result in Europe this season. Um, you know, you go there, normally the Atletico Madrid away, whether it's in the, in the first leg of a knockout tie or whether it's in a group stage, and every single team in Europe in that situation would have taken a point. We've gone there and we've scored three goals. We've won 3-2. Um, we're now nine points at the top of the group. would take a hell of a catastrophe for us not to top the group, never mind not qualify. And we're in such a brilliant position. Um, I think people need to give their heads a little bit of a wobble. We are in October and we're doing really well. And This is a brilliant Liverpool side. Yeah, I, I find it really hard to disagree with them. It, 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 it is. And I, I think, Jay, you know, we had last season, I'm, 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 you know, I, I, we had last season off the back of the season before. And, I, and it was such a, it was such a downgrade on everything. And, uh, you, you know, I think confidence has been knocked a little bit. But those goals that we scored, like Salah at this moment in time is just, it's just unstoppable. I think that's the word I would use for it. You know, I know the guys wax lyrical um, on the last two pods, the City game and, and, and uh, the Watford game. Like he, he's just on, and he has gone up a level. You know, there's no two ways about it. But, you know, he was just dancing, just leaving shadows in his wake. And that's, it's Messi-esque. Um, it, it, it truly is. And then fucking Navi just fucking pulls that one out of the locker. Like, you know, you're talking about a performance, but on top of it, you have goals of fucking, like, you, you know, goal of the season this season, Jesus Christ, you're going to have a tough ask. I think Sal is doing his own goal of the month composition on his own. Um, nine in a row, he's scored in now, which is a club record. Um, I think we're on a club record, I think it's six or seven games away. This season, where we scored three or more, um, you know, like we're, we're smashing things out the park, and the best part is like no one's talking about us really saying like, you know, we're, we're playing that well and we're contenders, which is great because the longer that goes on, the better. We like being the under underdog. We like being the one that's written off and whatever. Um, I I don't think there's much left to say about Salah, like without. You know, repeating what everyone said, like he, he is on form, the best player in the world. Now you mentioned, like in the in the title with Messi, he's got that fear factor about him now. Where, like, when you were playing against Messi, like, or obviously not, like, if you were going up against Messi, you knew at some point he was going to do something that would probably win you the game or win win Barcelona the game. And that's the sort of fear factor that Salah's putting into teams now. And it's a joy and a pleasure to have him. Um, bloody get this contract sorted as quick as we can because he needs it and he deserves every single penny. If he wants more, give him more. Give him, give him more on top just to make sure. Um, 
So I, 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 I can't really say much more than that on him. But with, with Naby Keita, you know, he seems to specialise in volleys. Um, and as Andy said, like his performance wasn't the worst last night. It was by no means the best. Um, and there's an argument to say that, you know, the three lads in midfield, no one was really great and any of them could have been hooked at half-time for Fabinho, which was blatantly obvious we needed to start. Um, and he needed to come on at half-time to just to be that protective shield across the back line, which he did, and we looked better. Obviously, they went to 10 men after about 15 minutes, but it was just a, a chalk and cheese in, in what you get from Henderson and Fabinho in, in that defensive mind. Like, there's, there's gaps, that, that there isn't gaps when Fabinho's dead. He just sees things that other people doesn't see, and that's no knock on Henderson. He's, he's just not that type of player. In, in the game that, that Fabinho is they offer different things he's a specialist in that role um, and he, he did do good things without without Naby Keita on the pitch you probably don't get that goal alright Henderson scored one against Milan but I don't think Henderson is ever going to try a volley from there neither is Milner arguably Curtis Jones may or may not um, you know you, you've got to give the lad credit for what, for what he did do on the night he, he, he did Maybe let Lamar pass a bit easy, but does does seem to be a, a prejudice against if he has a a six out of ten, seven out of ten performance that it's not good enough, um, and other players can get away with it. Um, as I said it before, we were when we were chatting, had Milner or Henderson have done them sort of lacks of defensive roles and and let players drift past them, I don't think there would have been so much as a media outcry today um, and it, it probably rolls nicely into to what we've got in the midfield at the weekend but for me it all, all comes back to we didn't buy a replacement for Ginny Wijnaldum in the summer we gambled again like we did the year before with centre-halves and not replacing Dayan Lovren um, I still think we, we should have got somebody in just for the for the experience and the fact that Ginny Wijnaldum played 50 plus games for the five years he was here he was never injured, and we've got a lot of injury-prone midfielders for one reason or another. You just can't buy minutes on the pitch. Well, well we, we don't seem to want to buy minutes on the pitch, that is. Um, we could deal with it. And hopefully, the club learn from this. You would have thought he would have from the centre-half thing, but I still think it's a product of neglect in the summer of not buying another body we sort of thought. We've got Harvey Elliott and we've got Curtis Jones there, but you, you're gambling with two careers of kids. Like It's never going to be a sure thing, and unfortunately we lost Harvey, but we've also lost Curtis a couple of times. One fault maybe down to an injury to himself, but also England just messing around playing him against Andorra, which was needless. Um, but hopefully going into the weekend, I think all being well, I think Thiago was, was left at home to train um, Jones looks slightly more ahead of him and we might see him featured the weekend um, but if we run those three lads out in the midfield without Fabinho at the weekend then it would be a bit daft because they did seem to be running on empty last night at times So Andy you know we'll move into the second half here as, as, as Jess said Fabinho come on it made a massive difference but but we're sort of in the pantomime territory <laughs> you know with a red card I think, you know, even as an ardent red, I can see where the referees and whatnot have come to the conclusion that 
he needs to be sent off. I think it's a harsh one. Um, I could have seen how, you know, how there could have been the penalty against us. Uh, Mo Salah's composure for the penalty he puts away is just, well, it's again, we've we'll, we'll said everything we need to say, but it's just a magnificent penalty. But it all went, it all went a bit pantomime. And, of course, the minute they were hard done by Atletico Madrid, revert to that wonderful Latin spiky temperament um, that I'm so familiar with. And the fuckwittery begins, and the crying and whinging and the rolling about the floor begins. And, you know, I, I can't help but feel that the fuckwittery that went on there sort of contributed to that referee standing looking at that screen going, well, fuck them. I'm, giving, I'm not going to give them this pen. And I truly, I truly think that that is a factor in it. Um, but it was like, you know, it. Re- they talk about we, we didn't have a, a fantastic second half, but we couldn't have had from the from the minute Griezmann went, uh, and, and who caused us fucking major problems. I may add, um, you know, he he's a player, uh, but from from the minute that he went. And then we have fucking Simeone on the sidelines fucking grabbing his balls and fucking running down the tunnel and not shaking out. It's just a fucking pantomime, but it's what you expect in Madrid. But I don't see how we could ever have got going given that circus that was going on in the pitch. Yeah, I think they're a horrible, horrible football team, a horrible, horrible club. I have done for many years. There's been a weird loving around them for eight to nine years where... For somehow Simeone creates this narrative that his team with you know Antoine Griezmann, who's just come away from Barcelona, he was on eight hundred grand a week. Their one hundred and thirty million euro or pounds striker, um, their ninety million pound midfielder Thomas Lamar, he's somehow created this narrative that they're some sort of plucky underdogs, and they play like that every time. And there's a love in about them that there really shouldn't be. Um, that there wouldn't be if there were any other club or any other manager. Um, they would be called out for the, their horrible tactics and their horrendous football that there is and, and that they produce. And my real issue with them is they're a team that can give it out, but if anyone dares stand up to them, give a little bit back, stay down for 30 seconds holding their heads themselves, they can't take it one bit. They can't take it one bit when a team dares to stand up to them. Everyone has to roll over for Atletico. You know, we're Atleti, we're the shithouses, we're the ones who do this, and you're going to roll over for us. And if you don't, we're going to cry, we're going to howl, we're going to harass the referee, we're not going to shake hands, we're going to throw our, do- our toys out of the pram, and we're going to spit our dummy out. And that's exactly what you saw last night. It is the most satisfying win that I think I've enjoyed as a Liverpool supporter in a long time. It's the most nervous I've been as a Liverpool supporter in the last 10 minutes for a long time. And that's talking in the context of a draw would have been absolutely fine in the context of the group, or even a defeat would probably still go through. It was lovely, um, and I absolutely hate them. And I actually think, as obviously, listen, sitting here as an ardent red, I'm going to say this anyway, I do think he gets all three major decisions right. Um, we can maybe start with the Liverpool penalty is the most obvious one. It's it's clear as day. It's a rugby tackle. It's um, you know, he there's blocking somebody off. There's blocking a he's, he's easing somebody out of the way, and then there's just a complete obstruction. And it, you can just take a look at it in real time, and it, it looks like a penalty. It clearly is. I think that's the most obvious one. 
The red cards, an interesting one. Obviously, there's parallels with the Nani and Ramos incident. Or I'm not sure if it was Ramos. It was Nani on, was it Arbeloa actually, about 10 years ago at Old Trafford, when he clearly was uh, going for the ball. Um, his studs are up and he catches Arbeloa in the face. Um, albeit there was no intention. There was a big debate around that. And I'm not sure you might remember this actually as a because I know you're into your rugby, Dave, but there was one where Jared Payne for Ulster in a European match about seven or eight years ago uh, was sent off early in a game um, where he tackled somebody high in the air even though his eyes were on the ball the whole time. Um, and I think there is a, there's been a shift in the last five or six years in sport in general, not just football and not just in the Champions League, whereby actually intent doesn't matter and intent actually isn't mentioned in the rules at any point. Morally, that shouldn't be a red card. I don't think morally it should be a case of, you know, and I would be happy enough if it was a case of we just all accepted that sometimes players get injured and sometimes really dangerous things happen um, accidentally and we all have to cop for that. But the reality is that um, for these players, the safety of them comes first. And if you are going to raise your foot that high, you have to be aware of your surroundings. Griezmann wasn't. He catches Firmino in the face and it is a red card. And then for their penalty, um, I was surprised you returned it. But when you look at it back, you know, you would have never given that. You would have never looked at that and said that is a penalty or that the referee has got that wrong if he didn't give it. The, the, worst, the worst Jada did was just be on the wrong side of him and got ran over rather than anything else. Yeah, and he, 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 and, he's cl- and, well. he keeps... and he's claiming the penalty as he's fucking going down. He hasn't been touched. <laughs> That's the other yeah, way. And, he, and he, Jada... did, he did grab his arm, but let go pretty quick. And then he flung himself to the ground. And and the the way I seen yeah. it was, I think the referee seen the player go down, and maybe it was an equal of the odds, the atmosphere, whatever, and not. But then when you went to look at it, there was no contact in the legs, which is usually what penalties are given for like that. Like he didn't hold on to him too long, and there was not really any contact within the legs, and I think that was what got got the overturn because there was. You see, if you watch it back, Jota pulls his left leg, I think it is, and like stops his sort of running. And 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 I think yes, that was maybe the, the the point that changed it, but because he didn't make like a tangle of legs. Had he had all them tangled the legs, yeah, it's nailed on. But I think he sort of grabbed them and then quickly realised I've got to let go of this fellow here because he's gonna go, and because there was no foot contact, I think that's what it was. It's not that's my tip, Pensway, um, anyway. It's not, it's not a penalty kick. The optics from Jotter are actually quite good. You know, he keeps his balance. Normally, if you fall over in that situation, you look like you're the ones off balance. You look <laughs> like the one who could have been a little bit clumsy, but he does well. He keeps his balance. And uh, there is contact. There is a little bit of a an ease into the back. Um, and obviously, he's going to go down. And that referee was desperate to even things up ever since the red card. He was absolutely desperate for it. The crowd were banned for it. Um, fair play to him for standing up to it as well. Um you know, Atletico, as I said earlier on, they're a team that if they don't get their own way, they spit their, uh, their, their toys out of the pram. And uh, spit their toys out of the pram is combined to cliches there, haven't it? But um, yeah, it was it was great to see. It was really satisfying and uh, right decision in the end, I think, all of them. Yeah, I can't argue with that. I, 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 but I still do feel that the kind of the kind of fucked themselves with that rep. And like Suarez, book for, for, for back chat. Gets booked and continues to back chat. At what point does a referee just go, you know what, you're fuck, fuck off, get off the pitch, red card, set down a marker, 
because you know it's clear that there's absolutely no respect for them there whatsoever. To be fair, <laughs> Virgil Van Dijk went well out of his way from heading that ball to leave a bit on Suarez, and I'm all for it. But I can see why he was angry. Well, I also think that that ref wouldn't have made it out alive if he had then sent Suarez off. I think Simeone would have been <laughs> legging it down the tunnel to get a big set of chains. Or maybe did, just a, a full-on hammer. Did, did, did you see him coming over the club at 2-2? Like, it's fucking infantile. It is fucking infantile behaviour. It is totally... It, it's embarrassing. You, you know I what I mean? This. What was it? He, he went across the club at 2-2 and was fucking grabbing his balls. And fucking running about. He's a fucking idiot. He's a fucking oh, idiot. Fuck. Um, you, you know, and then refusing to shake hands. And I thought Klopp was 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 very good in the in, in the post match. You know, like these things happen. You know, it's an emotional moment. Fuck it, whatever. He'll shake hands with me at some point. And he sort of, you know, he said, "I'm not happy about it, but whatever." But but more, but Klopp's very diplomatic. But listen, you mentioned Van Dyke and you mentioned Matip, Jay, and the, there's some pundits having a bit of a pop at Joel Matip, and and others questioning um, Virgil's. Is he back to his best and, and so on? And I, I find that incredible, number one. You know, we'll probably not see Virgil being Virgil, Virgil, Virgil again until after Christmas. But there is, I don't know, Joel Matip has been playing very, very well um, this season. But maybe last night, you know, like they all have a bad game in them somewhere or, or an under par game in them. And you know, there's 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 a call should Matt have started the weekend and and, and so on and we're we're going to sort of segue into the weekend with this, but we'll start out with with the 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 back pairing and and, and what 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 you think you know, do you think it's Matt needs a rest? Would you take him out, or do you think it was just just one of those nights up against better players? As I say, Griezmann, Griezmann was a real fucking handful. He was giving Virgil problems. He, he, it's probably, maybe the most impressive ever been with Griezmann, to be fair, outside of that Euros that they won. What was that, 2016? Um, I thought he was great in that. But that's that's the that's him sort of back to that level again. And I suppose he had it was in the wilderness for, for, for a couple of seasons at Barca. Um, but fuck, some player. And I say, he. I think that's the most vexed I've seen Virgil. But then, I, again, I say, we will not see the Virgil that we know and love, the, the full model, until after Christmas. What, what, what's your thoughts in around all that? And Andy, I'll give you a crack at it as well. I, I think, first of all, the, the way Atletico set up last night was was very similar to the way Brentford did against us, um, where the, the overloaded armoured field and the always... They, they played with four bodies or five bodies across the midfield, so they always had that extra body, um, which obviously then added to to the fact that midfield was always overrun and always looking to be chasing shadows. Um, but what they did do quite well was they'd overload it to one side of the pitch and always keep, usually Carrasco wide, um, up against Trent and holding that width. Um, and Felix was pulling out there as well. And just switching it and leaving our, leaving us 1v1 or sometimes 2v1 at times because we were all over the place in midfield trying to trying to cover all, cover all the gaps, um, which we couldn't do. Um, so maybe that also leads to the fact that, you know, if, if, they're, if they're creating that overload and a quick shift to play and we've got to get bodies over the pitch, that we did look a lot more vulnerable. Um but onto the the two lads at the back, we'll start with Virgin. I I think he said himself that 
in an interview. Maybe it might have even been the press conference prior to the to the game. Did Danny you just call him Virgin? You, ca- Virgin? you called him Virgin. Uh- <laughs> I thought you called him Virgin. He definitely did, yeah. Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much, Andy. He did. I might have said Virgin. <laughs> I might have said Verge because my brother's dog's called Verge and he just calls him Verge all the time. I hate to break your bubble, but I think he's had children. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to call him a virgin. Um, but yeah, that does me justification. Yeah, even if he has, and there's no chance he's a virgin. Come on. <laughs> he can have anyone he wants. And I'm not going to say no either. Yeah. <laughs> um, Back on track. And if he is, I can change that. Back on track. Um, Yeah, I I think he did say. Fucking great when you're winning, isn't it? It's fucking great. He's not back. back. Um, And he's got he's got a long way to go. I think he said that himself. He knows. Um, But I I remember it was even Jolie Lescott last night for the for the clown that he is. He actually said, "I." It's gonna take time, and the more he plays against um, top-level forwards and is tested routinely on a regular basis, is he only gonna find out where he is on his, you know, the Virgil level of of greatness? Um, and you know, Griezmann, as you said, was was probably one of the toughest tests he's had all season because if you you compare to the other big games we've had, like City didn't play with a real number nine. Lukaku was up there on the zone for the second half when we played Chelsea and was pretty much in the pocket and massive because he ran away from Virgil. Um, so it is going to take time. As you say, I think it'll be after Christmas we'll see what what is the, the real man um, that we, we got used to and the, the great player that we all love. Um, and then on, on to massive quickly, you know, he didn't play international football, so maybe that's why he's played twice in short succession. Um and you know we're still nursing Gomez back. We're still trying to bed in Canate. We all know the 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 way Klopp operates with bringing new players in and slowly bedding them in. But we did rotate in the Champions League for the first game against Milan. Maybe that was just because it was a home game that he felt it was comfortable to rotate. Um, but that that game last night was the similar to Brentford. They, they both looked rattled, and I wouldn't be surprised if if we do see a change of the weekend. Um, I'll give Andy his, 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 his say on this and then we'll, we'll come into the to the weekend's game. But I wouldn't be surprised if we did see massive dropouts. I think, yeah, it's it would surprise me actually if he, he, he changed he changed Van Dijk Matip. I mean, I understand what you're saying. It's Virgil has not been 100% the Virgil we saw in the league winning season, the European Cup winning season, the season before that. But... You know, there were times, you know, on Saturday, as we say, always mitigating circumstances um, around the the level of the opposition. To me, he did look like that much more comfortable, much more all-encompassing centre-half, where, you know, it wasn't only doing the defensive bits that he always does anyway. It was the perfectly weighted headers, the perfectly weighted passes, just to get you back on the attack and to keep that pressure. And I think it was more of a systemic thing on Wednesday night because I think it was Dave who mentioned this at the start of the pod where you know we were getting caught uh, they were springing our offside trap by virtue of just literally staying in their own half and that wasn't really working for us and they, they did look a little bit ragged and they have done a couple of times this season but I mean I'm not sure it's uh, yeah it's 
you, you know, you'd say Matter's probably been the better of the two for the whole of this season, as I think we've said, but um from to bring Kanate or Gomez in at this point would very much surprise me. I think he'd have done it. I, last I present night to you the question of pace, Andy. What do you think on that? At the weekend, given the opposition. Do you think it might be a factor that he looks for pace? And as, I, as good as Masipis positionally, it, he doesn't have the the electric pace that maybe you do get with the other two. I get that. Um, and who are you looking at United playing on the wings? You're looking at probably Sancho and Greenwood, are you? Um, even possibly then, Rashford. Even Possibly Rashford, but possibly Pogba as well. You know, he's probably going to have to play Pogba somewhere on Sunday. I don't think he's brave enough to drop him. Um, and therefore it could be Pogba on the left and Ronaldo on the through the middle. So there's two of your front three for Man United who may not have that searing pace in behind. I mean, pace isn't a worry for me with Van Dijk and Matip. Um, just, you know, just maybe say to them sometimes our defensive line doesn't need to be on the opposition's D, you know what I mean? Um, so I think you look at Ronaldo and as much as we take the piss... He is a goal scorer and he can get a chance and he does need managed and he does need a game plan for him. And I think emphatically Van Dijk and Matip are the two centre-halves right now that I'd be most comfortable in having him deal with them. I think the other two, either side, whoever it is, whether it's Rashford, whether it's Greenwood, Sancho or Pogba, um, I think you know you let them take care of themselves. Ultimately, we are the much better team than Man United, so I'm sure we'll come on to talk about um, and we need to think about how we can be proactive with the, the fullbacks we choose, with the centre halves we choose, and we need to make this game. We need to make sure this game is played on our terms on Sunday because, as I say, we are the far superior football team. It should be Man United sitting worrying about how they stop us, not 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 how we stop them. That's not to say we don't have a game plan for them, but um, to change Van Dijk and Matip at this stage, um, just because they may have a bit of pace in behind, for me. I don't think so. Let's let them. Let's let them come out. It may encourage them to play a little bit more, um, and it'll give the best player in the world a little bit more space to do what he does. No, without a doubt. And Andy, I'm, I'm just curious. You know, just to close Athletic completely, I don't expect them to win at Anfield in a couple of weeks' time, and that's going to leave them like it's going to be a tough. You know, it's going to be a tough run-in for them, um, and, and and like squeaky bum time for them. Yeah, um, I don't expect them to win at Anfield either, especially without Griezmann, which is something I'd only really clocked there tonight, that he is actually suspended for the next game, and that's going to be a massive plus for us. Not to say they don't have super players to come in there, and I'm sure they will have a system and they'll have a game plan. They always will, and it will be a horrible game. But I think we're going to win that game. I think we're going to go on 12 points, and then we're just going to get the Champions League out of the way, and uh, you know, then we can talk about management of players and game management and... Uh, Resting players for minutes. That said, we did go to Midtjylland last year, top of the group, and uh, and played half the played half the first team, got them all injured. So I'm not sure how exactly we're going to play it, but yeah, I, I mean, if we win that, then you're looking at Atletico still to go to Porto, don't they? Because Porto got the point at the Wanda, and um, and and they'll they, still have only four points. <laughs> and they'll still, well, they'll still have only four points, and depending on. Depending on what you know, whether they pick up a point at Anfield or nothing, is, is another story. But they still have to go to Porto and probably have to get something. Um, and the way Porto have been playing, albeit we smashed them, you know, the way Porto have been playing, they've uh, they've made it very difficult for basically everyone. So 
not a good position for them to be in. And that's one of the other things. Atletico is one of the, the teams that you look at, for example, last year, when you're looking at the round of 16 draw, and they're the one team you think, I really want to avoid them. I don't want to play them. They're a rival for us in this Champions League to win it. Um, you know, they probably are one of the, say, maybe five, six best teams in Europe. So they are a rival to get out of the way. If we can knock them out in the group stages, that's one more down. Um, and if we can have contributed to that, then probably a major boost for us. And do you have to think? Yeah, it'd be nice. It'd be, it'd, be, it'd be nice without them even being a potential later on. You know what I mean? <laughs> that's exactly it. Yeah, they're a they're a rival that could win this over us. They could win this competition over us and stop us winning it. So as I say, if we can get them knocked out, one less team to worry about. And um, I think, apart from Man City. They're probably the team I'd least like to play in a Champions League final. Um, if you offered me a, a final tomorrow, I, th- I think I'd only less rather play Man City than them, if that makes sense. I know there's Bayern. And there's Bayern, Bayern Munich? No. Bayern Munich? I think, one, I'd rather have them over two than one. <laughs> I, think I'd rather, I think I'd rather play Bayern Munich than Atletico in a Champions League final. Mm, but I, I, I'd rather play Man City than Bayern Munich. <laughs> you know, you mentioned Manchester. Oh, I would, yeah, I would definitely. No, I, I, de- de- I'd have to agree with Dave on that one too. I, I, I think there's a potential. Maybe for City. the mental block around City. Yeah, but the, just, there's the potential for collapse that will not happen with with Bayern. That's the that's the way I see it. And and historically in the Champions League, especially under Pep, you know that he tinkers like fuck and he overthinks things and he, he gets himself vexed. To the point that he, he actually fucks his tactics. So, so, yeah, always give me Man City every time. And we proved, like, you know, we proved it, what, three seasons ago? Like, we, we demolished them, home and away. Just because they, they, they can't, they're not a, they're not a European side. They're not a, they're not European, bro. they're not us. You know, I think, I think part of it is, I think part of it is the fear of playing Man City in the final it would just be so horrible if we lost. Whereas if we lost to Bayern Munich and they were the better team, you know, we'd be gutted, but we could get over it. So, yeah, well, quicker anyway. You know, there's not there's nothing worse I think than than the idea of ever playing Manchester United in the European Cup final. I think it would just be sickening. Oh know. fuck no 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 no! Oh, never never never! I never want that. What? Well, let's move. Let, let's move on to Mordor anyway, because it, it's that time. <laughs> um, you know, like you boys were talking there, and I, I agree with every word. We, but you know what? I think it was two or three seasons ago, and we we, we every time we go to Old Trafford, ah, we're in a great shape. They're fucking shite. We're going to smash the shit out of them. And you know, okay, we've beaten them, and but the majority of times we got draws. When we shouldn't have got draws, and they're lucky. And they jump that Rashford goal. Like, they just seem to, they just seem to get away with it when we are when we are at our peak and and they're and they're low. Um, you know, they the, the turned that around tonight. And uh, you know, I think Liverpool fans are celebrating United's win more than the United fans are celebrating the fucking win tonight to keep Ollie at the wheel. But you know, Jay, I'll, I'll, I'll ask you. You know, like Klopp versus Solskjaer, it's, it's a no contest. It's man against boy. It's you know, tactical fucking manager against an idiot, a garden gnome, whatever way. Um, you know, they shouldn't be in the equation. But again, they have players who can change a game, who can win a game for you, and, uh, and so on. But I think I haven't watched them a great deal. I've seen bits and pieces of them. They're, they're not in great shape, but there's it's always. Just, it's just United. You know, we're talking about a th- Yeah, 
it's the tie and it's the fact you know you you made the point and Andy made the point about you know they have world class players who can change a game. I, I, you know, I think we'll get three points, but I, I don't think it's going to be the breeze. Like you know, Dave in the group tonight shouting about we're going to smash them. We're going, no, we're not. Uh, I, I'd take a one nil right now, <laughs> but I, you know, I, I think we'll probably win two nil or something, you know, along those lines. But I just think we're too good for them. We are. It's a, the, the simple matter is we are, um, and a two nil will be lovely because it probably keeps Solskjaer in the job a bit longer. If we go there and hammer them four or five nil, it probably brings his his second slightly closer again. Um, I think had he lost tonight and then we went there and done a number on the weekend, I think it'd be very hard, you know, because all the green and gold brigade would be out throwing the, the scarves out and, you know, storming the stadium because the spoiled little brats have only spent 160 million in the summer and, you know, they, they wanted money spent by the Glazers and all that business. But I don't I don't know. It's, it, it's that horrible fixture. Like, I, I look out for two fixtures at the start of the season. It's the Derby and it's United. And it's for different reasons because you, you know yourself, you, the Liverpool United game is probably bigger coming from a, a Northern Ireland persuasive than it is probably the Derby. Um, Absolutely. And a different type, there's and, a different that, type of feel. And that's, yeah, but it's not to, to, to downgrade the Derby in any way, but it's just, you know, I think it's relevance. And I'm not, sorry, yeah. Everton, sorry, Everton, but you're not. <laughs> We're United yeah, and, always, always have been. And what's more, through the 90s, from basically the gentrification of football through the 90s it has been United that have been the prevalent team and they also happen to be our biggest rivals so it ramps everything up yeah it, it runs deeper like you can get into it but it runs deeper doesn't it than just football um, but it, we've just grown up like especially me and Andy with you know it's, it's United to get everything it's rammed down your throat it's shoved in your face and the last few years under Klopp up until last year we've sort of gone there and shit our kicks and played the occasion um, and I'm hoping that last year albeit as weird as the season as that was and it didn't feel like real football at all because it wasn't um, we went there we, we hit them for four um, we scored some good goals we, we proved we're a better football team albeit with Nat Phillips and Reese Williams playing centre-half that must be a, you know we're going there stronger this year Um We've got, you know, superior players all over the pitch, I think. Arguably, the midfield is up for question, but their midfield is awful. Um, but I think if, if we roll out Fabinho, Henderson and another, I think it's more than enough. I think our front line is better than theirs, as, as much as they've got up top. Our defence is better than theirs. David De Gea seems to be having a one-man crusade to keep them in games, but we've still got the best keeper in the world. Um, I just don't want us to go there and shit our pants this year. I just want us to go there and play our own game. Give the ball to Salah. Let let them do what they want to do. But we just play us. Just play our own game and we will be fine. We will walk out of there with three points. But that that's all I need because also to add to that, we've got a Mank ref. We've got a Mank fourth official or VAR official as well. So the odds are also already stacked against us in, in that regard. We're playing against 12 or 13 men. But that's fine. We'll do what we've got to do. We've just got to play our own game and that, that's what I really hope that we do. And I think Klopp and the management team are wise enough to, to sort of preach that to the lads and especially after the Atletico game where you've got into a hostile atmosphere against a, 
a manager who, who runs up a circus who is obviously much better than Oli um, or to stuff against it again and we walked out with three points we just played our own game arguably for 20 minutes we, we were unstoppable but second half we, we just got our head down and done our own business and just do that and we'll be fine that's all I think of No can't, I can't disagree with you and Andy you're, yourself um, you know it's Jay, Jay makes a lot of good points there um, I, I think the, the, the standout point for me is you know to just play United and, and, and not the occasion uh, and just play our own game it's, it's so easily said it slips off the tongue so easy in, in practice it's, it's a little bit more difficult yeah I mean I similarly have a a mindset like that going into these games at Old Trafford and especially Jay mentions you know how we've grown up with the perception of Manchester United and you know, Jay's a few years older than me, probably does remember the Danny Murphy years, whereas I, I don't. And the first time I really ever saw us win at Old Trafford was in 2009 with a 4-1. Um, then after that, there's the Rodgers season where we went 3-0. And then after that, it's pretty much, um, you know, we don't win there until last year. I think I've seen us only properly win three times at Old Trafford in my lifetime. You know, it's such a rare occasion. And for me, you know, there's just that mentality thing around playing Manchester United. I remember even in the boys' season, I wasn't convinced they were out of the title race until like the last 10 games of the season, just because they're Man United. And they've just, for all my life, they've been in a title race. And it, it felt to me like that's where they should have been. So, you know, Jay's Jay's right in everything he says in the sense that we have been much better than them in previous years. They've been shocking in previous years and they've pulled something out of the bag to either stop us winning or stop us um, stop us winning the title in some instances when you look back to 1819. Um, so, yeah, it's it's one of those... I do think that this year, the, probably the gap between Liverpool and Manchester United is bigger than it has ever been. It feels like that right now. It feels like... Considering the personnel they have, Andy, that's quite a statement. Considering the personnel that they have, and I don't disagree with you in any, but I'm just saying, given the personnel that they have, it's quite a statement. But I, but I would actually, I would actually say the personnel that they've signed, and we've talked about this before, you know, in terms of the Ronaldo signing, I would be a lot less confident about us going to Manchester United and getting a result this Sunday if Ronaldo wasn't in the team. Which may seem mad to say, but if Ronaldo wasn't in the team, it makes their game plan very easy. They play three quick lads. <coughs> excuse me. They play three quick lads up front. They play, you know, McTominay and Matic potentially in midfield, and just try and get in the way of everything, make everything dead awkward. Um, and they keep things very compact at the back, um, and make sure everyone's holding each other's hands and nobody's exposed, and everyone's just heading it and kicking it. Whereas with Ronaldo, it's it's a different story. We've already mentioned about you know the options where they're going to fit Pogba in, um, who's going to play with between uh, Sancho and Greenwood, um, you know are they going to play five attacking players? There's so much of this, there's so much pressure on them now, really, um, and I do think the gap uh, is is bigger between Liverpool and United than it has has been in previous years. Um, and that's why I actually think we are going to go and win on Saturday or on Sunday. And I, I do think it might actually be quite convincing. Uh, I think Salah going there is as good as he's been in years. 
And you, know, you even think back to the title, or the, the year we get 97 points, don't win the title. Um, you know, we, we go there with a, a Mo Salah who that season was a little bit after the Lord Mayor's show of the 44 goals. And the next year, I think he only gets 19. You say only, it's still a, a crazy number for a wide player, but he was a little bit off at that season. And the season after that, he he wasn't quite at this level of Mo Salah, this, the, the standard he set for himself in that first season that he is now gone above and beyond this season. We've got that Mo Salah now. We've got the best footballer in the world. It's not a Mo Salah that's got to go there and be in Luke Shaw's pocket like he has been before. Um, you know, it's there's just so much in that team. I'm not Where are we at with Thiago? Or is Thiago going to be available, do we think? Because if I he would is, say I he makes the bench. Yeah, ideally that's a game you go in there with Fabinho, Henderson and, and Thiago, isn't it? So it'll be interesting to see who picks in, the, in that third midfield slot. It'll be he, a big he had Jones him. in training on Monday and left them behind to, to carry on, um, which would suggest that, you know, the, he was close, but, you know, the, there was no point flying him out there to sit him on the bench. And yeah. maybe the, but the, is the, this the, a game? Is, is, is this a game for Jones, do you think? Yeah. I'm not, I'm not sure who the. Um, yeah, I think it probably. I think I probably agree with Jay. It probably is a game for Jones to worry, but Jones is is what happens in the City game. But the way City's midfield set up and the way Manchester United midfield, whatever the personnel is going to set up, is going to be completely different. And I think Jones has probably shown enough in the games he's played this season, and um, deserve that chance to go to Old Trafford and start. And he'll back himself to get the goal or or do the uh, moment of magic or put in the performance that. That we're going to need in that third midfield role. Um, They're only going to play two in midfield anyway, aren't they? However they yeah, set up, they are. it's only going to be a combination of Matic, Fred, and Matt Tomine, Really, I, I can't see. I can't it's, see him slotting Pogba uh, in there. Uh, like two games, I, I can't see Milner starting three in a row. Three in basically a week. He does this so sometimes, Dave. He does yep. this thing where he just runs the legs off Milner, and then we all end up getting really frustrated. But, 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 but in when he looks like he can't run. But do you know something you see for this game? I and, and, and you know you're saying about the two of them. I I think you need a Milner. To, you know the the thing about this tie and and and, and Jay, you probably res, resonate with you probably more than Andy. You know these ties. The first five minutes, you know you're, you're you're up and at them, and you need a player to be up and at them. And I think my complaint last season with it with this tie was it was 78 minutes before there was a proper tackle went in. But if you have a Milner on the pitch, it, it, it gets that game going. Um, you know, he's tough as old fucking boots. Like, you know what I mean, James Milner? And the wise old head. I, I think, I, 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 I wouldn't be surprised to see him start. I wouldn't be surprised. Well, oh, sorry, hang on, let me rephrase this. I'd be very surprised if he Klopp did what I'm about to say. But I think it's probably the best tactic and way of approaching the game is going with a midfield three of Milner, Fabinho and Jones and not playing Henderson. Because Henderson can get too emotionally involved in games and we've just touched a few times on how we've gone there and played the occasion and he will find himself doing that. Plus, as our midfield has been lining up, the left-hand side midfielder has been the one who's been more defensive. Milner naturally slots in for Robertson. And, and does that very well. We've seen it multiple times. Works great. The right side midfielder we've seen at the start of the season was Harvey Elliott. Is it the more advanced playing into out, allowing Salah to come in field, allowing Trent to come in, in midfield? 
Curtis Jones' natural game is an attacking player. Would we not get more from Jones playing him as the attacking eighth, play, drifting out wide, you know, linking with Trent, linking with Salah, and maybe just, you know, letting players do what they're naturally better at? Fabinho will do what he has to do in midfield. And it might it might be a gamble like, like the Atletico game where we, we pushed Naby Case on and we you know we did leave a little bit of a gap. But we will have Fabinho there to shuttle across and do the business. And Milner, as you say, Fabinho a couple of years ago when he, he was on a he was on a mission to flatten Dan James and he was putting other players on the backside. We need that. And I don't I, as much as people think Henderson is this big, you know, bustling centre fielder. He shakes a lot of challenges because he just doesn't want to get injured. And you can understand that. He's had a lot of injuries. He will shake a challenge if he, if he has to. Um, and, you know, you, you you might get 55, 60 minutes out of Milner and then you bring Henderson on just to retain possession. But I don't think Klopp would do it. But I, I think that would be arguably our best formation to line up across the midfield that would lead to more success. I, I, I don't know what you guys think. I'm with you 100. percent Like I, I, I would, you know, I, I've, I've nailed the colours to the mast. I, I would go with that midfield, and, and I have no problem. Look, Jordan Henderson is one of those players again. It's very difficult to criticise because, objectively, um, and I don't think he's been fantastic this season. He's had a few good games, but he's also been lacking. And whether he's fully up to speed or whatever, whatever. Um, but it, it's constructive criticism, and for and for that, I love the idea that you put out there, you know, bringing him on to retain possession when the match won, or, or, you know, we're in a position that we want to, want to hold on to. Uh, it makes perfect sense for me. Young Andrew, where, where are you with with the midfield? Um, if Thiago would be fit, I would, I would throw in and just play the, the strong midfield that what, what certainly comes out in the media as, uh, from people close to the club is what he considers his best midfield, the Henderson-Thiago Fabinho midfield, I think certainly Fabinho plays no matter what. I think that's dead obvious. I don't think anyone disagrees with that. Um, I would go Henderson and I would I would go Jones. Um, I'd go Jones on the left of the midfield, and I would allow because I I think that he's shown in these big games before. Sorry, the sound going by there. I'm not sure if you can hear. Um, I think in these big games before he's. He's he's done Jones Spurs at home last season, um, and Jones over the course of that has shown that he's capable of, um, of playing that genie role, the more conservative role, and I think it takes a little bit of the onus off him as well. Whereas on the right hand side, he feels like he has to be constantly threading the ball through, constantly creating something, constantly being that link between midfield and attack. When he's on the left hand side, you know he he can pick his moments a little bit more. If he gets through a game where it is just win the ball back and recycle it, that's absolutely fine. There's less pressure on him. Um, and I think that suits him, and I think that actually suits a lot of our midfielders. I think that suits Naby Keita as well, who we haven't really talked about, but you know he could potentially um, start again. We know Klopp trusts him in those bigger games, albeit he does hook him last night, um, as we recorded last night. So yeah, it could be it could be any combination. I would be surprised if it was anything other than Fabinho Henderson, but the the third man's anyone's guess, um, and it's probably the biggest call he's going to make. So just finally. Andy, you're, you're predicting. We said pre-pod, but we both agree we don't lose here. There's no way we fucking yeah. lose here. Um, but is it a draw, or do you fancy the win? Do you fancy, fancy it comfortable? Um, I think, yeah, I think I think we are going to win. 
uh, how it quite goes. If it gets into a bitty game and they get one back, I can see it being tight, a tight 2-1. Um, if not, I could see us kind of running away with it. If the fans get their back, we get a couple of goals up and they give up. Um, so let's go for the latter one. Let's go for a let's go for a four nil Liverpool win. Jesus. Wow. <laughs> I, I love your confidence. But we're, we want to keep Ollie at the wheel, you know. One nil. Oh do me. One nil. I'm going one nil. that's it. Jay yourself. Again, keep Ollie at the wheel. Um and I'm gonna, you know, keep our performance levels up of scoring three away from home. Um I'll go with three one. Um I think we'll get a late one to make it three one. Um a plucky, you know, United United uh, performance for, for <laughs> Ronaldo some steals the headlines the with a consolation goal, you mean? <laughs> Well, they're getting, they're getting a penalty, aren't they? That's a fact. <laughs> um, they're getting a pen. Um, well, it's, it's an old Trafford. I, I it's an old Trafford. If it hits the roof, the whole fucking lot can come down. <laughs> <laughs> old Trafford, man, Cref. You know, it, 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 it's bound to happen. But yeah, I, I think 3-1. I think we, we've got too much all over the pitch. Um, I'd, lo- I'd love us to embarrass them. But I'd also love Ali just to stay in the job because it's great that he's just, you know... He's at the wheel of the Titanic. But it's great to see. We all know all that but story. If they, if they feel this season, if they feel this season, he's he's gonna go anyway. So you know But he's a cheap one to get rid of. Should have pay him at this down. point at this point they're not a threat. They're not a title race. They're not a title they're not in a title race this year. And if they feel this year he is gonna go, so why not just smash them while we can and really enjoy it? I, I know, I do I do get it. I just I fear that there's too, that's said, there's too many good players. Experience, experience, Jay, experience. It's a horrible fucking tie. And that's if they get I'm a just... good manager, then you know oh. they, they will be a little bit better. Um, but yeah, we'll have an identity. A win's a win, and as long as we walk out of there with three points, Mo gets a goal or two. Yeah. You know, keep keep the keep the train rolling on track. Um, because in, in big games this season, we've already dropped a couple of points, and as, as whatever we see United, like it's a big game, um, so we've got to get three points. Indeed. Well, listen, we'll leave it at that, chaps. Thank you very much for your time, and to those travelling to the game at the weekend, just just mind your heads. Uh, on that note, <laughs> upper heads. <laughs>